0: Scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was made more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Our second reading comes from Genesis chapter 9. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply in number and fill the earth. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that shall never again all flesh be cut off by the all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks.
1: Thanks be to God. Good morning this summer we are preaching through a series of sermons that we're calling sacred community and we're basing this series of sermons on a group of stories from the book of genesis Uh, last sunday we started by defining sacred community we talked about how sacred community is not perfect community but sacred community is a community that lives all of life together with all of its joys and all of its messiness We live together as a gathered people of God. Throughout this series, we are searching the stories of Genesis for markers of a sacred community. What does a sacred community look like? Last week, we started by talking about Sabbath, or what some of us might simply call rest with God. This is one mark of sacred community. We also talked about relationship that we need friendship, we need connection, we need a remedy for the loneliness that we feel in the world. And those ideas, Sabbath and relationship, they show up in Genesis 1 and 2. This week, we turn to the next part of Genesis where the dominant theme is brokenness. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, we're talking about brokenness. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for sacred community in all the ways that we find it. And we give thanks for your holy word that helps us to find our way through life. And we thank you for each other. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O oh Lord, are our rock. And our Redeemer. Amen. And before I go any further, I want to add my own welcome to our Montreaters this morning. Welcome back. I want to comment about Montreat Sunday here at Knox and why this is important. Now, Montreat, for those of you who may have shown up a little bit later or still catching up, Montreat is our beloved Presbyterian camp nestled in the mountains of North Carolina. Our high school students travel there every June for an amazing youth conference. They hear great keynote speakers and they sing and play. They live closely together, surrounded by dirty socks and hopefully some deodorant and sometimes bears. They live surrounded by the beauty of God's creation. They have important conversations in the context of small study groups and late nights out on the porch, and they grow closer with one another and with God. And then they arrive back here exhausted on Sunday morning to meet the greatest challenge of the week, staying awake during the sermon. (laughs) In the past week, these young people have been on a journey that I wish I could duplicate for the entire Knox community. The Montreat experience is so powerful because it is built around a time-tested idea. You invite a group of people to come away from the demands of regular life for a time together with God. It is a week of Sabbath. You arrive with some people you know well, and you're mixed in with some people that you do not know. You are shaken out of your comfort zone a little bit, and you are invited to sing and play together. You're given big ideas to think about and wrestle with. And the hope is that this deep introduction to a shared life together with God will be the start of a journey that you will continue back at home. Again, if I could duplicate this concentrated experience of sacred community for everyone here at Knox, I would do it in a second. It is amazing and powerful. Now, one of the things that makes the Montreat experience work so well, one of the things that makes it so powerful is what happens on Wednesday. Wednesday at Montreat is what I have often heard the adult volunteers jokingly refer to as crying day. (laughs) Crying day. Why? Because during this week-long journey from Sunday to Saturday, Wednesday is the time when campers most often cry. Now you see, they've been there for a few days You've started to feel at home and comfortable in the community, and you've got some time left to rebound. So Wednesday is the day when the hard questions come. The preaching and the keynote addresses get more challenging. The small group discussions get heavier, and inevitably, there's some crying. The good, healthy, growth-producing kind of crying, because from time to time, everybody needs a good cry. Now, here I want to step back from the Montreat experience for a moment. I want to talk about the larger reality that I am describing. Sacred community is created by the act of sharing our brokenness with one another. When we talk about things that are hard, we allow one another to see that none of us are perfect that we experience hurt and pain, that we've made mistakes, that we don't always know or understand how to make our way through the world. We make ourselves vulnerable and real, and that is how human beings become friends. There is no substitute for the reality of brokenness in forming real friendships. Now, there are many things in the world that we also refer to as friendship that are not so real. The best example I can think of is social media. Social media. You know what social media is, right? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, the platform matters little. The idea is the same. Social media is where you post online about your perfect college plans, Your perfect outfit, your perfect friendships, your perfect job, your perfect kids, all accompanied by a photograph that you took a dozen times so that you could get it perfect enough to go with the post. And then, teenagers and adults alike take these fabricated self-portrayals and they compare them to one another and cruelties and harsh opinions are shared. And in the finest example of irony I can come up with, the creator of this whole social media thing who made, it, who made it up in order to get back at a girl who had done him wrong, he said that you interact with people online in this way and these are your friends. No, no, no. Now, social media, has its place and its proper and wonderful uses. I do not deny that. But this is not friendship, what I'm describing here. Friendship is a sharing of authenticity. Friendship is a context in which we can talk about our imperfection and our brokenness because we know that we are in an environment where doing so is safe. And often, social media is anything but safe. But friendship is supposed to be safe. Sacred community is safe. And friendship is a place where brokenness is shared so that healing can come. Now, how did Montreat figure out this mystery, this recipe for real friendship. Well, Montreat is a Christian conference center. And Christians, just like our Jewish and Muslim siblings who went before us, we understand the reality of brokenness because it is written about in our sacred texts, beginning all the way back in Genesis. Genesis chapters 1 and 2 are the stories of creation. In the very next section of the Bible, Genesis chapters 3 through 11, are stories of the reality and the power of brokenness in the world. At the start of chapter 3, just a page or two into your Bible, Adam and Eve are enjoying themselves in a beautiful garden of God's creation when a serpent shows up and leads them away from God. In chapter four, Cain kills his own sibling Abel in an act of jealousy. And we see how the presence of brokenness in the world infects our very own selves and divides us from one another. In chapter six, we meet Noah, a righteous man who finds himself living in a world that is rebelling against God. So by chapter nine, we see how God works through the life of Noah and his family to start things over again, to redeem creation. And God sets a rainbow in the heavens as a visible sign that God is with us and means to remain with us even in the midst of our brokenness. A few things to notice about this portrayal of brokenness in Genesis 3 through 11. One is that what I might, what I have been describing as brokenness might also be called by different names, evil or sin. I use the term brokenness largely because for some of us, those other terms have a lot of baggage that keeps us from the point. But I'm happy to talk with any of you more about those terms if you want to. But whether we're talking about evil or sin or brokenness, there are different ways that we see it show up in the world. Sometimes brokenness is like the serpent. It is this external presence that shows up in the world, and we do not know why, and we do not know where it came from. Other times, brokenness shows up as a part of who we are. The brokenness of being a human being, the mistakes we make, the malicious things we sometimes do to one another. And sometimes brokenness is completely random. Stories of brokenness in all of its different kinds lead us to ask all kinds of why questions. Why does brokenness exist? Why does God allow it? Why did this thing happen to me? Why did that thing happen to them and not me? Why does brokenness happen to people that do not deserve it? And why does it skip over so many people who do deserve it? Why does brokenness hurt so much? And when is it going to end? And as for these questions, I do not know. I do not know the answers. Many answers have been proposed over time by people much smarter than me, but none of them are fully resolvable. Some of them are more compelling answers than others, but all of them eventually fall short of a full explanation. No one really knows why brokenness exists or why it works the way that it does. Talking about some of the reasons can sometimes be helpful. We've gotta try to get our frustrations and our wonderings out in the open. And this is the brilliance of what the Genesis story is trying to tell us. This is the idea on which sacred community is based. We cannot pretend that brokenness does not exist. We simply have to acknowledge it, talk about it, share with one another about it. And doing that in community is how we figure out how to live together in a broken world. Finally, though, we also have to talk about the fact that there is a rainbow in the story. The rainbow does not erase the brokenness. The rainbow is a visible sign that God shines through the brokenness. It is a visible sign that the light shines in the darkness, as the story of Jesus will say it later in the Bible. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We are meant to live and grow together surrounded by that truth, That even though there is a dark side to living in sacred community, a light shines in the darkness to help us find our way through a broken world. And that's where we'll go in the rest of this series to talk about the fact that in Genesis 1 through 12, you immediately get the idea of the brokenness present in all the world. But the whole rest of the Bible, Genesis 12 through 50 and all the other books to come, that's, that's the recovery plan, a light that shines in the darkness. Montreaters, I want to close this morning by tell you, telling you something that I sincerely hope will not sound like I am talking down to you because I am not in what you have done this week, the journey that you have been on and your arrival here this morning to share it with us, you have done something great for this church community, something that we are often not very good at. You have brought us a lesson about brokenness, a lesson some of you may have lived through in the past week. For all of the time that adults spend telling you how smart we are, most adults are not good at brokenness. We are not good at Wednesday. We have spent so many years, so much of our time, learning how to live in a world that is dominated by perfectionism and comparison and competition that we have forgotten how to be comfortable with brokenness. And because of that many of us find ourselves lonely and longing for the sacred community that in the past week you may have tasted but you can't have sacred community without brokenness you just can't the book of genesis says so right from the beginning And so thank you for sharing your story and your presence with us today. Thank you for allowing me to talk about this important part of sacred community. I hope that your experience at Montreat has been a blessing for you. By being present with us today, it's been a blessing to all of us. Amen.